So, prophecy and the prophetic ministry. Uh, I'm not sure if most people are aware, but there are four dimensions of the prophetic. Yes, they're not aware of it, of course. There's the gifts of the Spirit, which is one of the gifts of the Spirit is prophecy. There's the uh, ministry of prophecy. Then there's the gift of prophecy. And then there's a fivefold ministry prophet. But because the church over a period of time have taught those things don't exist, people don't have a clue what they are. Now, let me just quantify something here. How many of you have Christ as your Savior? So, okay, all of you. Well, most of you. Some of you guys didn't respond. Okay. So if you have the Lord as your Savior, you have a prophetic nature. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If you have the testimony of Christ in your life, you have a prophetic anointing. Now, I, I tell people about when I went to the military, the first thing they did, besides having the sergeant major shout in my face, was to take away my civvies, my civilian clothing, cut my hair like I looked like a panhead, and then basically scream and shout at me for the next six, eight weeks. I was an imbecile. I was stupid. I didn't know what I was doing. I couldn't understand why they were so belligerent. Why they were so belligerent, they were breaking my house-trained mentality. The house-trained mentality that you get taught by your mama and papa. You know, that sort of stuff. And they, they introduced me into a whole new concept of making your bed. And not just making your bed, it had to be pristine. You couldn't even sleep if you slept under it. Because if you slept in it, the next day it would be, you'd be docked. They taught us to march in unison. They taught us to wear uniforms and to shoot. And they did all these basic things to reprogram us. So that we could be a unified force. Now when I talk about the gifts of the Spirit and prophecy, I talk about it in the same mentality. We are the army of God. We are the household of the Lord. When Jesus rose from the dead, He gave gifts to all men. Am I, am I right? Some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some teachers, some pastors. For the what? For the equipping of the saints to bring us into maturity and to the full nature and stature of Christ. Why? Because we're an army. We're not here to fight a war. We're here to occupy until He comes. We're here to be disruptors of culture. We're here to go and take the lost and bring them back home. We have a whole different mentality, like instead of a normal, our mission is not to kill people, but it's to resurrect them and bring them into life. The prophetic gifting is one of the most profound giftings for getting people saved and transformed. Why? Because God gives people words of wisdom, words of knowledge, understanding, all these different things, so that we can impact people just by a word. He sent His word and He healed them. He sent His word and He transformed them. And in Corinthians it says this, when an unregenerate walks into the church and hears somebody praying in tongues, he hears a babbling fool. The reason why is he doesn't understand it. But when he walks in and hears someone prophesying, his heart is laid bare and he falls to his knees and he repents. That's what prophecy is about, is to bring out the hidden message, the mysteries of his will in the hearts of man so that we can go ahead and transform the hearts and minds of people. So to start off, I'd like to start off with it in the beginning. I love, Jesus even said, Moses was one of the greatest prophets. Now, I'm be, I'll be dabbling between prophets, prophetic and prophecy and gift of prophecy all the time because they all basically function from the same platform, from the same concept, just different authority levels. Yeah, that's the phone, it's for me. If your phone rings again, I will come and answer it and I will prophesy over the person on the other side. I've done it before. So Jesus said that the greatest prophet of all time was Moses. So I want to start with Moses. In the book of Numbers 11.29, when uh, God said to Moses to bring the elders into the temple, or the tent, should I say, in the meeting place, and he would impart to them this a gift so that they could help him administrate the rest of Israel. The problem was there was an overflow and there are two men outside, one called Eldad, one called Medad. They went around prophesying over the people. And then Joshua, the son of Nun, came running to Moses and said, Hey, hey, listen, these guys are prophesying and it's out of order. And Moses said this, Art thou jealous for my sake? 
With that, all God's people were prophets, that God would put His Spirit upon them. Here's the thing you need to understand. What did Moses do? Moses saw something futuristic, and he spoke it into existence. You see, that's what the prophetic does. It sees, and it declares and speaks, because then people can enter into it. If we didn't have a prophetic nature, we'd just live organically the way we are. We wouldn't be expecting greater things. When he said, greater things will you do because I'm going to be the Father, we couldn't expect that because the bottom line is we have to speak those things into existence. We have to create, like we've been created in his nature, in his likeness, in his image. We've been created like him. What is he? He's creative. He's love. He's productive. He's constructive. So prophecy is not around just uh, bringing correction to people. It's about exhortation. It's about building people up. It's about growing them in their most holy faith. And the good thing is, Prophecy, the nine fruits of, of the Spirit, the nine, the nine gifts of the Spirit, are matched with nine fruits out of Galatians. So you have to have the fruit and the gift. There's a lot of people today prophesying on the internet that don't have the fruit. Okay, and the truth is those two marry and they match. So after this word that he spoke, I love God because what God did, he's not involved with time. He's basically in eternity. He can go back in time or come forward. So in the book of Acts, God went back brought Moses' word forth. In Acts 2.17, he said, It shall be in the last days, said God, I will pour forth my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. How many of you have sons and daughters? Okay, so are they prophesying? No. Why? You said they, you said they will. And your young men shall see visions. How many young men you have? Kaderis, are you a young man? Okay. Young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream. Where's all the old guys? Are you guys dreaming? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and on my, my servants, on my handmaidens, where are the handmaidens? Are you, are, you guys, are you guys getting it? In those days will I pour forth my spirit and they shall prophesy. So he's not eliminating, he's even including the servants. He's even including those people that are goyim and goyif. People that are acceptable. Because it, it wasn't something that was just separated for a certain demographic. Oh, you're a prophet. Oh. No, we're all prophetic. We are a prophetic generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We should all have the capacity to prophesy. The biggest problem is we don't have the faith. It takes faith to prophesy. When you hear something and you're not sure, no, I don't know, could that be God? I've learned to know now when I hear something, I execute. Because 99,99% of the time, I'm right. Because it's something that's not inside my subconscious mind. It's something I'm not thinking about. It's something that is impressing on my heart. And I speak it. Because that's what we need to do. We need to get so familiar with the sound of His voice that we can speak at any time, at any moment, in any situation, any place, at all, whatever, whenever. Because that's what we are. We're on season, we're in time, all the time. I don't stop wherever I go. I'm in the marketplace. I'm in Starbucks. I'm in the grocery store. If the Spirit of God puts an impression on me, I walk up to the people and say, can I share something with you? Okay. And I talk. And 90% of the time, they fall into a puddle of tears. Why? Because God knows their heart. And we are ambassadors of His grace. We are, we are disruptors, kingdom disruptors. It's our ministry to actually disrupt this, the system of this world to break the powers of sin, to break the powers of darkness, to speak light into situations and life into situations. And there are times, there are times like the calling on Jeremiah, when you, there's different things that happen prophetically. And I'll read it to you now. In Jeremiah 1, 4 to 12, it says this. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So we were known before we were formed. And before you were born, I consecrated you. So we set apart, in other words. I have appointed you as a prophet over the nations. That's to Jeremiah. Okay? Then I said, Oh Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I'm youth. Well, what, that is, what is that? That is invaluating himself. That is a person that has a low self-image. That is a person that doesn't believe what God is saying to him is real. Okay? But the Lord said, Do not say I'm youth because wherever I send you, you shall go. All that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am, I am with you to save you, declares the Lord. 
The Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over kingdoms to do this. Root out and tear down, destroy and overthrow, build to plant. So there's a dynamic of disruption as well as a dynamic of recreation. So the prophetic anointing can disrupt the plans and concepts of darkness, but it also in the process can prepare the ground to plant, to do something new. So if you are fertile ground and the word comes to you, it's, it's there to tear down the things that are stopping you as well as to actually build you up. And it's all driven by the Holy Spirit. I always tell people, you can't function in the gifts outside the Holy Spirit. Because if you do, you're operating in the flesh. You could be a witch. And there's so much of invalidation in the kingdom because we don't require people to be in the Spirit. We don't require them to understand how the Holy Spirit works. The ebbs and the flows and the move of God, like the sons of Issachar. And Ephesians says, you are no longer foreigners or guests, but are the children of the city. And another scripture, he says, I don't want you to be stupid. That's the straightforward translation. <laughs> the other translation, I don't want you to be unaware. But truly, it's about being stupid, because the bottom line is, we have the capacity and ability to learn and to reason, to understand. You're no longer foreigners or guests, but rather children of the, of the city of the holy city with all the righteous family members of the household of god you're rising like a perfectly fitted stone of the temple and your lives have been built together upon the foundation laid by the apostles and prophets when i hear the church saying we don't believe in the apostles and prophets and i know that church is not built on the foundation of christ and nothing christ-like with all due respect will take place in that place what will happen is things that look like that will happen there'll be a lot of manipulation a lot of control a lot of abuse because that's the only thing they can do. It's a physical work. Jesus said, I will build my church, right? And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Why did he say that? Because he doesn't want us to build the church. He, he's he given us instruction is to build the kingdom. The gates of hell shall not prevail against you. If we utilize the prophetic giftings that we have, and we just go and do the things that God's told us to do, we can transform not only lives and hearts and minds of people, but we can transform culture. We can change the mentality of mankind just through prophesying and speaking to them. Years and years ago, in Phoenix, Arizona, there was a young girl, and I think I told you the story before, that was all dressed in black, black fingernails, black polish, black, 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 black. I mean, looked like a ghost. I called up and I said, I have one word for you. God said he will never leave you or forsake you, and he will never allow you to die prematurely. And I let her go and sit down. And I thought to myself, wow, God, that's weird. I have no understanding why you said that. 25 years later, I got a letter from that lady. She was driving her car in Maryland, from Maryland to Virginia, on a wet road. A car hit her, threw her over the median, upside down, crashed in a tree, wrapped around the tree, hanging over a massive big uh, um, gorge. And the fuel was running in the car, and she was injured, and she was hurt. And she heard the prophetic word that I gave her in my voice, my accent, my sound. And she repented and gave her life to the Lord. And the Lord was so good, when the firemen put their thing out, the fireman that met her and sat with her and talked to her was a spiritual Christian who prayed with her. You see, the prophetic word sometimes brings you to the brink of that transformation because the, God watches after His word to perform it Himself. You don't have to perform the word of the Lord. It will do it itself. If you prophesy by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will then go ahead and He will start moving the situation into place to manifest. So it's not up to you to do it. All it is up to you to do is believe, receive and walk in it. So then we continue reading in this and uh, being at the head cornerstone of the building, the anointed one, Jesus Christ Himself. The entire building is under construction. And it's continually grown under his supervision until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. This means that God is transforming each one of you into the holy of holies. His dwelling place through the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. So now we are a bunch of burnt living stones built upon the chief cornerstone, placed in position by the Holy Spirit. And every one of us has within us 
this, what I would call this tabernacle, this temple, this place of worship. See, the first thing when you get saved, what does, the Holy Spirit moves in and He vacates the spirit of the flesh. So the first area of transformation is your spirit. Then the next one is, uh, of course, your, 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 uh, your um, soul. That's your will, mind, and emotions. And then the last one is your body. So I tell people, they say, well, you know, um, he, he died and he, he, was, he used to smoke. Does that mean he's going to hell? No, that just tells you that his flesh wasn't yet redeemed. But his spirit's redeemed and his soul probably was in the process. See, you don't understand. We don't understand this stuff because the church doesn't teach us this stuff. They say, man, you're in Jesus. You're good. You're fine. You made the fire escape. You're okay. You pull the ripcord. You're good. No, you're not good. You've been called to a much greater calling than you even imagine. You've been called to be a disruptor of the culture. You've been called to be a transformer. You're, you're going through a metamorphosis. You're changing from state to state. You're not, you're not controlled by what goes on in culture. Yeah, you may be living in the culture, but we are sojourners. We pass through the culture. You know, we're not supposed to be affected by what goes on in the culture. We're supposed to affect the culture. But yet the church has been sold into slavery. And the problem is, yes, we, we, we're dead. We're dormant. You go to any, any organized organization called the church. It's not really. We're the church, but any organization. You know if they talk about the gifts of the Spirit. You yeah, they talk about any of the ministries. Some of them don't even believe prophets exist. I had a conversation with a man one day. There was a pastor of a, what do you call it, a community church. I was with my attorney. And I said to him, so do you guys teach the Holy Spirit? He said, oh, no, we don't want to offend the people. <laughs> well, brother, you, 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 you are walking on the dead way because you're offending the Holy Spirit. Because who's going to reveal Christ to you but the Holy Spirit? So I asked him a question. I said, have you ever seen Mary? What do you mean Mary? Mary, the mother of Jesus. No. Why? I don't know. I'll tell you why. Because you don't believe in her and you'll never see her. But there's millions of Catholics that believe in her and have epiphanies of her. You will never see the Holy Spirit because you don't believe in him. And of course he changed the subject to how nice the sauce was on the barbecue. Because the truth of the matter is, prophetically, I pegged him. The fact is, the guy himself doesn't believe. So how is he going to train people to believe? It's imperative as, as believers that we understand in Corinthians, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. The reason why you have gifts is not just for you, well, bless God, I'm a prophet. No, it's so that what's inside of you can be imparted in others. As you give away what God's given you, He gives you more. It's not about, well, hallelujah, I'm well known. I do everything in my power to stay away from the platform of being well known. I prefer to be hidden, not because I have a problem with revealing myself. I just prefer to be hidden. That way, I'm like I'm back in the Navy SEALs. I'm able to move around and do things ministry-wise that I couldn't do if I was a celebrity. And we're not called to be celebrities. We're called to be saints. <laughs> what does that mean? That means we're going to die one day. So, for to one is given the spirit of the word of wisdom, and to another the word of knowledge, by the same spirit and to another faith. So the reason why we've been given these things is so that if one is given the spirit of wisdom, and one is given the spirit of faith, and one is given the spirit of knowledge, that means we need to work together to have the whole thing. That's why it's so imperative that you learn this. You may be able to minister through them by the Holy Spirit, but the truth of the matter is you have something inside of you that is divine. It's not you, but it's divine. And when you step into it, you start getting wisdom. You know, when you go through a process of praying for somebody and they can't understand why there's situations in their life that are not moving and you have a thought, you have a thought about something. It pops into your head out of the blue. You've never thought about it before, but it pops into your head and you say it. That is the word of wisdom. The next one comes with the knowledge. How did it get there? Then the next one comes with the spirit of faith. What do they do? They pray for the person. The next one comes with the discerning of spirits. What is behind this? The next one comes with the gift of healing. And what do they do? They pray for the person that got healed. Then the miracles come. 
I mean, this, this is a combination thing. In the military, when you, when you train as a soldier, you all know your position. When that helicopter lands and you go out that door, you know the guys are left-handed on this side and the guys right-handed on this side. Why? Because if the left-handed guys get confused, they go, they're going to shoot the guy in front of them. And the guys know their position. Why? Because they function as a unit. You see, you're not just here because, well, hallelujah, God, I'm just a church. I'm checking off the list. No, you're here because you need to learn the fact that you have a position in the body of Christ. You've been put in as a burnt living stone on the foundation cornerstone. And you have a position to play in whatever goes on in this organization called the, the body of, or the ecclesia, the called out ones. You have something inside of you that God has given you virtue for to impart to others. The gifts of administration, the gifts of hospitality, the gifts of healing, signs, wonders, and miracles. You know what I was saying to Pastor Harold and Mary Lou? I travel to many churches. I don't see pastors in other churches visiting people's homes to take them food, take them blankets, pray for them. They send the volunteers. But here in this house, this couple go to the house and pray for them. This couple go to the go to the hospitals and pray for them. This couple go to the retirement homes and pray for them. They pray for them. Because that's what shepherds do. So what are these other people? I call them imposters. They're not pastors, they're imposters. <laughs> if you can grasp the concept, what the Lord said, I will send you, I'm going to be the Father. I'm going to send you a helper who will lead you into all truth. There's other sayings, an advocate. There's other sayings, a companion. The, the Holy Spirit's all these things. He's the one who teaches you and trains you how to know the signs of the times, how to understand what's going on in the world and how to actually partner with God to bring transformation to those things. When I wake up in the morning, every morning, I'm aware of the fact that I have a legal team with me. I have my advocate, who is the Holy Spirit. So any complication I have in the day, I have an advocate that I can approach and say, help. And, and he does. And he has the ability to do that. But if you don't give him that place in your life, you'll have to work it out for yourself. And I learned at times that I may be intelligent, I may be educated, but there's a certain limitation of what I can do to help myself. Because the bottom line is, when I came to America, there was a guy that said, this old, old Baba said this to me, God is fixing the fix to fix that you fixed yourself. I don't know what that meant, but it sounded absolutely right. Over process of time, I've learned that we try and fix things for ourselves. You know, you're fixing to. Where I come from, we're going to. But you come, you're fixing to. So you're obviously repairing something. <laughs> so when you fix something that you don't know how to fix it, then you fix it. You're not going to fix it right, so God has to come and fix it for you. That's what I realized that meant. But it left me sort of puzzled for a long Wow, that's a parable. <laughs> I don't understand it. And another one was get a halter. You got to get a halter something. And a halter, that's something they put on a horse. <laughs> so I had to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit to try and discern what do you mean, a halter. And in English, it means get a hold of. Oh, I understand that. But somebody along the line changed the script. And I was kind of lost. Holy Spirit, I know this sounds stupid, okay? But he helped me understand your culture. And you know what really helped me? The movie Forrest Gump. <laughs> I'm not lying. I'm being dead serious. It helped me understand something because I came from a predominantly English culture, which is everything's upper lip, old chap. You know what I say? You know, just hold everything down, you know, old boy. Oh, rub sand on it. Don't worry, you'll recover. You know? You never had emotion. It was all like a stiff upper lip, old boy. When I watched Forrest Gump, and I know it's probably a stupid thing, but the bottom line is it really helped me understand how that man in that movie was depicted, how he moved, 
and how God really used that thing to open my eyes to understand how he dealt with difficulties and hardships because he almost like ignored them. You know? Me and Jenny is like peas and carrots. Okay, and so those were good things, but you can understand. God puts us into these relationships and you have connections and those things and they, they're valuable. His experience with his friend Bubba was the most valuable thing to him. It actually drove his life and gave him purpose. I mean, their whole shrimping business that he built in concept in the movie was because of his friend Bubba. Because he wanted to honor his friend and he took care of his friend's family. You know what I'm saying? And that's a stupid movie. But that's what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. He wants us to take care of each other. He wants us to go and help the broken and take care of the poor. And take those who are rejected in society. But you know what we do? We just throw people away. Because you know why? We don't have the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can convict you. He can, he can lead you and guide you into all truth. He can give you knowledge of things you have no knowledge about. That's what we're here for. And, and you know, the prophecy part of it is just taking something from him and distributing it. It's taking what he said. He said, hey, listen. The Father gave you to me in the book of John. Gave you to me. I've come. I've spoken to you. I've talked to you about my Father. Now I'm getting it back and I'm asking my Father to take care of you. And to make sure that you're safe. And so he's built this whole kingdom that is all about us being these worshippers that he's brought in to function like him. Go into all the world and make disciples of men. That's what this is all about. You can... You, they can stop praying in the school. It doesn't matter. You know why? They can't stop you praying. <laughs> I laughed one day when 9-11 happened. There were more praying people in airplanes after 9-11 than there were before. You can see them. Oh, Jesus. Because <laughs> fear gripped everybody and people were afraid to fly. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, you don't want to pray for me. I'll pray over the, the highways and byways. Go in there. I tell you, I was on many flights after I never saw people praying. Yeah, because why? Because they realized, man, I don't know if there's a... And, and of course, if you talk like I did with a different accent, <laughs> you couldn't even get, go to the restroom because people thought that you were going to do something. <laughs> you know why? Fear. See, fear is the greatest enemy of the prophetic and of the gifts of the Spirit. Fear. Fear of rejection, fear of being judged, fear of being criticized. Fear, 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 fear. Fear is our greatest enemy on this earth. Who was it? One of the, I think it was Kenny that said, the only thing you have to fear is fear itself. I want to say to you, there's a prophetic people, which you are, even though you don't believe it. You have this gift inside of you, the Holy Spirit, who can show you things that you never dreamed possible, that you never imagined. You know, years ago when I was told I'm going to write a book, I thought, hey, I'm just too stupid to write a book. I'm not any of these well-published writers. I don't know how to write a book. Until one day a prophet came up, punched me in the stomach 12 times and said, 12 books, 12 books. And suddenly I could write. No, I'm not being funny. I'm being dead serious. Suddenly I knew how to write. What happened? That prophetic word unlocked the stupidity in my head that told me that I'm not good enough to write. What have I got to say? 16. And I'm working on another four. But here's what I'm saying. You see, the world told me that, that I'm not good enough. And my childhood, my upbringing told me I'm not good enough. And the church would say to me, you're not ready yet. You have to wait. You have to sit and wait. Then you have to learn. You're not ready yet. But why is the Holy Spirit there to teach you? And the day he walked up and he punched me in the gut. He's lucky I didn't punch him back. But he was older than me, so I didn't want to hurt him. But, but <laughs> and, and the truth was, when he did that, something unlocked inside my spirit. And that night, I even walked away saying, oh, I have an idea of a book. And so I, I jotted the idea. And then God brought me a friend that's written multiple books that sat with me and worked with me and showed me how to write. Now since then, we've written 16 now, I write the books. He just does the editing. But the truth of the matter is, 
it's so much now flowing that it's become a natural event. It's like the more you practice something, the more it becomes natural. The more you start singing, the more it becomes natural. The more you start worshiping, the more it becomes natural because the Holy Spirit gives you unction. He gives you the ability to train yourself, he, to teach yourself, to hear things that you would never have heard before. I call those the mysteries of His will. If you would just sit and ask Him, God, show me something unique for myself, you'll be surprised. When I inquired of the Holy Spirit, why do you want me to go to America? A prophetic word came to me and said, I will lead you to rulers, leaders, and kings of nations. And you will speak to them. And I thought, <laughs> what have I got to say? I don't know anything. I don't know anybody. But you know what? I look back now, I have. I've spoken to kings, rulers, and, and leaders of different nations, plus this nation, three different presidents. Senators, congressmen, Supreme Court. Where did that come from? It didn't come from me. It came from his divine will. You may look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what? I don't have the value. The Holy Spirit's inside of you. He said, before I formed you, I knew you. And what did I do? I created you to be a prophet of the nations. Now, we may all not be prophets of the nations, but you may have other calling. You may be evangelists. You may be... I don't know, you may be a cook, a chef, a bottle wash, something, a nurse. You have, every one of you has a virtue. You weren't born virtuous. And so what we're trying to do here is we're trying to stir up your, your most holy faith. You know, um, I have this relationship with bacon. Now, I grew up not allowed to eat pork, but I have this relationship with bacon because I don't think bacon's pork. I think bacon's something that came from heaven. I don't know what it is. It just has that, it has that, that ability to draw you in. And I remember once walking into uh, the grocery store and they were frying bacon as samples. I did about four or five turns around, picked up four or five samples. Eventually, the lady said to me, are you going to buy any? Oh, I didn't know I had to buy. I thought this was for free. But the concept was once you tasted it, you will purchase it. And so the concept of taste and see that the Lord is good is something you need to get in your head. God would not give you anything that is terrible. He's a good, good father. His gifts are good. His blessing is good. Everything he has given you is good. The, the hardships in your life actually sometimes are good for you because they lead you back to God. The difficulties you go through drive you to your knees so that you can find the purpose of why you're going through it. You know, we want to bind everything and we want to sort of cast it out and say, well, don't work against me. But sometimes you need to go through something to experience something. I remember years ago in South Africa, the economy went bankrupt and the government shut down the stock exchange and 22,000 businesses overnight went bankrupt. And in our country, we didn't have Schedule 7 or Schedule 11. You couldn't restructure stuff. They came and they took your possessions like within the next day. And they took my house, they took my cars, they took my money, they took my properties, they took everything. I had nothing. Absolutely nothing. And then I had the sheriff of the court continually coming, looking for more stuff to my house. And one day I just said, when is this going to stop? And he said, and I prayed. I said, God, please help me. When is this going to stop? And God gave me a scripture. And he said, the Egyptians you see before you this day, you shall never see them again. I said, okay. And the next time the sheriff came, I said, look, I have absolutely nothing more to give you. You've taken everything. He said, I didn't come to take you. I'm come to give you something. I said, what's that? He said, here's a form that you fill in. And you present to the judge, and the judge will stop them coming to take stuff from you. And so when they took it to the judge, he signed off on it, and he told these companies that I owed money to, stop. And they were mad. Because somewhere through the process of wisdom, God brought a man who knew something I didn't know to help me stop this, this barrage of, of robbing and stripping me and tearing me apart. And it stopped like that. And I thought to myself, this is a miracle. 
And you know, in the natural, there was no way that it would stop. They would come and they would come and, and if you've got another job, they'll come and garnish your salary. And if, if you're bored and they'll come take it away from you. I mean, it was just terrible. But that prophetic word that I prophesied, I didn't know that it would have that effect. But let me tell you, that was my first prophetic word about myself that changed my life. Because what happened is the assignment the enemy had against me was stopped. Not just in heaven, but was stopped on earth. In heaven it was stopped by God, but on earth it was stopped by a judge. And so you see, you have the power of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to turn things and move things on your behalf. You know? Anytime I find myself in a situation where I'm unable to manage what's going on in my life, I ask God to show me what the influence is that's working against me. And then I approach Him and I ask Him, because He's my Father, I ask Him to turn that in my advantage. And then once I get that, I start prophesying against it. I start speaking to it. And 90% of the time, those things stop. You have to understand, when you have the Holy Spirit, the authority that you have. You know, a thousand falls your left and ten thousand your right, but nothing shall harm you. I've gone through processes in my life where I have people turn against me. People go crazy and can't understand why. What did I do? But they just go crazy and they do everything they can in their power to destroy you. And then I have to understand, who is the destroyer? And then I, I, I petition the Lord. I say, God, please. You said you'd defend me and protect me. You said you'd hide me in the cleft of the rock. Show me what this is. And every time he shows me and I start praying and I have communion, the weapons of our warfare are mighty and strong to the pulling down of strongholds. I'm not cared what people's opinions are. Because it's like a nose, everybody has one. I'm not moved by opinions. You, people can dislike me, it doesn't bother me. I'm more interested in what he thinks of me. Because what he thinks of me is the ultimate. I try and walk in peace with all men as much as possible. Yeah? Sometimes I walk in peacemaker with him, like Dirty Harry. <laughs> but try and walk in peace. Because you know what? You have this incredible gift, this incredible authority power inside of you that is the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you to ask the Lord, how can you engage yourself in what He's given you? Firstly, in the Holy Spirit. And secondly, in the prophetic gifting. Because don't, believe me, if you, if you even have a, um, a gift in cooking, you have to be prophetic. You know what spices to add to make the thing taste good. If you will utilize the gifts of the Spirit in your life on every facet that you work in, you'll be surprised how things shift for you. You'll be surprised how things change. When I look at my checkbook and my zeros don't match my need, I speak to it. I get a vision of what I need. Because as a man, you know, Jesus said that um, if you see it, if you see it, you can say it. And if you say it, you can receive it. And this is not just positive speech. I look and see, okay, my need is this. My checkbook says that. That's a liar. I stand on it. And I speak to it. And, and basically God makes a way. I don't go and try and do it. And he makes a way. Because that's what he is. He said he will take care of you according to his riches in glory. So I want to encourage you all to sit down and consider prayerfully the purpose and the giftings he's brought you to the body of Christ for. It's not just to sit down in these chairs and do. It's to be a vital part of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Yeah, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You know, there's a portion of you that's in heaven seated with him. You were with him on the cross. You were with him from the foundation of the earth. Uh, you're, not, you're not just a, a, a flyby. You, you're something that has been valuable from the beginning, even in concept, long before you were ever born. When he went to the cross, he had you in his mind. He, he did this for you and me. When he went to be the Father, he gave us the helper that now is consciously with us and walks with us so that you can accomplish every purpose and desire he's called you to for his kingdom. He brought you into his kingdom so that you can be a powerful ambassador of transformation. 
that you can be disruptive culture, that you can transform the hearts and minds of the people around you through relationship. There should be nothing that can stand against you and stop you. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Every voice that's raised up in opposition before you shall be defeated before your very sight. You have been called to be conquerors. You have been called to be mighty warriors. So as I close, I want to just share this with you. That the Holy Spirit, when Jesus rose from the dead, gave gifts to all men. That's just not men, gender, it's mankind. So everyone has a gift. If you don't believe you have a gift, pray and trust God to reveal it to you. And let me tell you, when you start functioning in your giftedness, everything changes. I have found supernatural favor because of my gifting that God's put inside of me. On my natural self, not really, but on my gifting, God has opened doors. He's made ways which were impossible because of His Holy Spirit. So not one of us should be in this place where we would say, I don't really know anymore. Because we should know all things. And you know, He hides the matter so kings can seek it out. We have the capacity to seek stuff out. So in the closing, I want to say this. I want you to pray. When you ask God to empower you and impact you with His gift, show you what your gifting is. Show you, give you wisdom and knowledge of how to engage with Him and the Holy Spirit to learn how to be functional. In Jesus' name. I bless you. Amen. Did y'all see that you could text questions? Did anybody text a question? No? No questions? No questions. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> it's funny. What's the number? 325? I can't see these. 716 Anybody have a question? I'll just... Pastor, one question came in. Okay. How do you test a word given if there is nothing biblically connected? Well, the first thing is you have to make sure the person giving it to you has the fruit in their life. You need to become a fruit inspector. And uh, secondly, if there's nothing biblical about the word, there is definitely something biblical about the word. There has to be. Nothing comes that hasn't been handled and done in Scripture. So the concept, it just depends on what the, what the word is. It just depends because... Um, you have to understand there are also vain imaginations out there, okay? So people have vain imaginations sometimes which they think is the word of the Lord. That's why you need to test the spirits. Yeah. How do you know the word, this prophetic word, is from God or your own mind? <laughs> oh, that's a nice one. Well, the first thing is, let me say this to you. The Bible requires you to renew your mind. Have this mind in you that's in Christ Jesus. Now, don't forget, sometimes God will speak to you verbally, you'll hear it, or sometimes you'll drop a thought and an impression in your mind. The only way that you'll know it's from Him is test it. Right? Now, firstly, God will normally first test the word on you before He allows you to make somebody else your guinea pig. If you have not utilized the prophetic word or things that God shows you prophetically on yourself, don't go and use it on other people. It's a weapon. And it could dismantle them. But you have to test the word on you. In other words, when I started prophesying and I started to realize that God called me to be prophetic, I said, what do you require me to do? He said, take my word and declare it of yourself. And see the fruit and the result of the word that 
you speak of yourself before you go out and speak to others. So I had to train myself to hear his voice, whether it was an impression, a dream, a vision, a concept, an idea, or whatever it is. I had to test the word on myself first. Sometimes you get a word you think it's for somebody else, but it's actually for you. So there's, and like I said, here's the thing, here's the key. It's the Holy Spirit that will reveal to you the purpose of the word, if it's for somebody or if it's for you. So that's why you have to be engaged and connected to hearing from Him. You know, I remember years ago, uh, I had a word for a young girl. And I went to the pastor and said, I have a word for this young girl. He said, not tonight. And I was kind of like, do you know who I am? <laughs> and he said, not tonight. And so I walked away kind of forlorn. I felt rejected. Well, it probably wasn't from God. Three months later, he says to me, come here. You still have the word for the young girl? I said, yes. He said, okay, called up, gave it to her. And the word was, you said to your mother today, you don't know what goes through my mind and what I think about. If I had given that three months ago, it would be irrelevant. That day, she said that to her mother because they had an argument. She said that very phrase to her mother, that you don't know who I am, you don't even know what goes in my mind, you don't know what I think about. You have no idea what I'm battling. Now, had I said that three months ago, I would have been out of season. But I had to curb my pride and wait for three months to give the word. It's timing. Another one? For somebody who hasn't been walking with the Lord very long, maybe uh, six months to a year, how does that person get stronger in discerning the word from the Holy Spirit? My sheep know my voice and they follow me. Pray. The biggest catalyst for the prophetic is praying. And secondly, praying in the Holy Spirit. Because let me tell you what, praying in the Holy Spirit is about building up your most holy faith. It's about giving you a connection. Now people say, well, I don't know why you pray that funny language. Well, it's not for you. It's for, it's for yourself. It's for you to build your most holy faith so that you can develop this connection, this communication connection with, with the Holy Spirit. And that's what I say many times when I'm prophesying about people, they stand there, stop. Because what I do is I stop them. Why? Because I get the interpretation of what they're saying. Do you want me to prophesy to you the word that you're praying? Or do you want me to hear the word of the Lord? Because people do it out of superstition and fear. They start praying in tongues. Oh God, please don't expose me. <laughs> That's what it is normally. It's a, oh Lord, please. You know my son, God. Blah, 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 blah. And they, they, they pray in tongues. And this is what you're getting. I'm knowing exactly what they're saying. Because you have the gift of interpretation of tongues. Can you see what I'm saying? So we have to understand, look, the biggest and the quickest way to start training yourself to hear and to know is humble yourself and pray. And when you start humbling yourself and recognizing that God is working with you to bring you into a place of understanding and knowing Him, it's His job to make you know Him. That's why the Holy Spirit's there. That's why I say to people, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And that's the simple thing. I was standing in a traffic light one day and it turned green. The guy behind me is honking. And I had the unction from the Holy Spirit to stop and wait. And I did. And the next minute, an 18-wheeler rolled through the traffic light with no lights on. If I'd gone, I would not be here today. And neither would the guy behind me and neither would the guy coming from the other side of the road. Because that guy was barreling. He would have killed us all. But you see, sometimes it's that still small voice, that, that little, you know, you just know it. Yeah, and I've learned to get to that place of trouble because what I do is I pray it in that place where I know what he's saying to me because it moves me, it, it does something to me. It's not like somebody's speaking to you. It's like it's something that comes internally from him that you know. It's your internal spirit that tells you, hey, listen, don't go this way, go that way. Don't go here, go there. Don't do this, do this. Stop this, stop that, stop that. These are the things that the Holy Spirit has to lead you. But you have to engage. You can't, well, God's not faithful. He didn't help me. Have you prayed? Well, I can't pray. Well, that's nonsense. You can. Or do you want to be so at the desperate place where you are forced to pray? And then you'll hear anything. 
So, so it's incredible to teach yourself how to pray in the Spirit. And look, if you're not baptized in the Spirit, there's no shame. Okay? Because the church has shamed many people because they can't blah, 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 blah in tongues. There's no shame. You can speak with the, you can pray with the understanding or you can pray in the Spirit. But pray. And eventually, in understanding, the Holy Spirit will take over and you'll start speaking in that language, which is the language of angels, so that the enemy cannot understand it. Because the only way the enemy can hear where you are in your battle is when he fires the dart at your heart and hears the response come out your mouth. Because he's not, he's not omniscient, he's not omnipresent. He can't, he has, he has to depend on lying spirits to tell him what's going on. Right? He's limited. So what he does is he fires some accusation. When you respond, oh, I can't understand what he said. Oh, okay, well, let's fire some more. That's why you have a breastplate to protect your heart from any fiery dart. You've got to get to know this stuff. It's got to be, yeah, it's natural. It becomes natural. The word becomes just part of your life. It becomes, it just is like a fountain. You know what I mean? Is there another one, Joe? Can a prophetic word that has been given a long time ago be reactivated if there has been a delay by laziness? <laughs> so you say you missed the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it can, of course. I mean, you know, the problem is it's not really laziness. It's a lack of understanding. And a lot of people are, have avoidant behavior. Instead of tackling the thing, there are others put on the shelf. This is the concept. Well, if the word hasn't manifested, just put it on the shelf. And I'll tell you what scripture that is. The first book of imaginations. <laughs> You're supposed to fight the fight of faith with the word that's spoken over you. That's what you do warfare with. Is you take the word and you utilize that word as a weapon. When I got the word that God said, I'm going to send you to the nations and you will sell kings and leaders and you'll prophesy and you'll sound the trumpet. I took that word and I prophesied it every day. And I spoke to it every day. And I declared it every day. I got an American flag in my office. I got bandanas for my kids and put my kids on American bandanas. I played full Driscoll music. I was going to be coming to America. By hell or hell water, I was coming. I know that's not a good saying, but I'm just saying. I had made up my mind that I believed the word of the Lord and I was going to do what I needed to do to get here because I knew this is where my purpose was. I'd seen a glimpse of it in 76 when I came here, but I had to wait till 91 to come. So yes, they can reactivate the word because the words are by faith. Spoken by faith, received by faith. It requires faith to, for it to manifest. Is that it? Is there more? Yes, sir. There's a few more. Okay. We'll take as many as your time want. I'm here all night. I don't care. <laughs> I'm leaving at four, so. <laughs> if someone is struggling with sin, will they still be able to receive the gift of prophesy? That's an interesting one. Well, the gifts... And the callings without repentance. The gifts and the callings without repentance. Invariably through the process of functioning in the gift or prophecy or whatever it is, the Holy Spirit will convict. You see, here's the thing. We have this mentality which has been generated by the church that if, you, if you're a bad person, you have sin, then you excommunicate from the plan of God. Well, that's man's concept. That's not God's concept. God's concept is about redemption. And that God will bring you to redemption. And so because the gifts and the callings are without repentance, the bottom line is, somewhere through the process of functioning in the gift, God will bring you to repentance. Does that make sense? Is that, does, that sound good, good, does that sound good to you guys? Yeah, because it's quite easy to say, well, because I'm doing this and doing that, I can't function. Well, if you want to step into the gifts of the Spirit... You have to be spirit-filled first. You have to have the Holy Spirit to function the gifts of the Spirit. I know I say spirit, but it's a spirit. <laughs> spirit. It's just Holy Ghost. Holy Go. Did that, is that answer, is that sufficient? Yeah, you, you know, uh, yes, I know, look. And I have to say this. 
I think the church is so fixated on sin that we're not fixated on the possibility of redemption. You know, if a person fails, we always hold it against them. And we force them to hold it against themselves when God's forgiven them. And what it is, it's really a denial of the blood. And the church has a problem with that. And many, many men and women have suffered at the hands of an unforgiving judgment that comes from the kingdom. Well, not the kingdom, but the organization. Next, John. Just a couple more. What is the relationship between fasting and spiritual power, the giftings? And do you have any examples? Maybe? Yeah, fasting is a... a some, some things don't come out by prayer and fasting. When I came to America, I fasted for 30 days, stopped for 10, 30 days, stopped for 10, 30 days, stopped for 90 days and 120. Because I wanted God to let me go home. I, it was basically for me, it was a hunger strike. <laughs> but what it did for me, it opened up for me the opportunity to hear and experience God in a way I never did before because when you change from one environment to another spiritually, you come under different forces and under different strongholds and powers. And really without knowing it, but the Holy Spirit led me through this process of this fast. And then at the end of my, my third fast, He gave me a prophetic word. He said to me, the Prince of Liberty has declared war on you. And He showed me an image. And I didn't know what that meant until years later when I went to Congress and I saw this image standing on the desk of Tom DeLay and I said, who's that? He said, that's liberty. And the Holy Spirit said, that's the one I spoke to you about. It's a principality. And so I've had an understanding since then of how to do warfare because I don't believe that we, need, we have the authority to touch a principality. Here's how we deal with, and now this wasn't the question, but here's how we deal with stuff. So fasting brings you revelation, brings you to a place of humility, it humbles you, it cleanses the pathways so that you can hear clearly. It brings about the, the power for you to function in a supernatural realm because you're denying yourself. You're laying yourself bare so that He can speak to you more clearly. So fasting is a good way of empowering yourself with wisdom. It's a good way of humbling yourself. Right? So, but I'm not going to talk about that other thing, the principle of it. That's for another day. But the bottom line is, God showed me what the battle was in this nation spiritually and how the church is totally oblivious of it. Next question. If I receive a prophetic word, is there anything that I can do to not make it come to pass? Not receive it. Yeah. Not partner with it. Look, the basis is, a righteous man rightly divides the word of truth. If you receive a prophetic word and in your spirit you see it as truth, then you have a responsibility to rightly write it down, rightly divide it. Let me, let me add a little bit to that. When I get a prophetic word, I transcribe it. And I take a blue marker, and everything that God says, God says, I will do this, I underline it in blue. That's the word of the Lord. And I'll, I'll bring you friends. Well, that's a byproduct of the word. So I pray the word and wait for the byproduct. Most people pray the byproduct. I'm going to make you a millionaire. Oh, God, you're going to make me a millionaire. Well, there's some conditions to it. So we have to rightly divide the word of truth. Write it down, pray it, walk in agreement with it, see it, understand it. Speak to it. It becomes like almost in your mouth. I can prophesy all my words to you today. I have them all up here. I have so prophesied and spoken my words into existence because I've received them by faith. I believe them. They come in time and season. They're the word of the Lord. And it's my responsibility to take a hold of them because they've been sent. Because the warfare that I need to do is in the words. Right? Do you want me to pray for that person? Huh? She's hiding under the chair now. 
<laughs> yeah, I'll tell you guys, one more phone, I'm gonna call, I'm gonna ring it, answer it. It's just after eight o'clock, so we'll just end with probably this question. And for the ones we did not get to, uh, we'll reply to your text with the right answer. This last question was just in front of me. Oh, here it is. How do you activate the prophetic gift? In your life? Well, first you need to know that you have it. Um, okay, so let me say this because it popped in my spirit. If you have ever been in a church setting or organization that has denied the prophetic, you need to repent. Because until you repent, you can't receive what you don't believe. So that's the first step. And seeing that most of the organized church speak against it and say it doesn't exist, most people who've come out of that into this realm are now subject to that concept they, they believed and walked in. So the first thing you have to do is you have to repent and ask God to forgive you because you can't receive what you don't believe in. And when you do receive, the best way to start doing anything about activating your gift and getting it started is prayer. Prayer and get the Word in you. Read the Word. Pray the Word. Read the Word. Let the Word become something that just flows out of you like living water. Just read it. Get into it. Let it every day. Just imbibe it. Drink it. Eat it. It'll be the best meal you've ever eaten. Get to the place where you start knowing the mind of God, that you know the heart of God. You can't speak to people unless you know the mind of the Lord. You can't speak to people unless you know God's heart for people. You can't come and prophesy to people if you have false doctrine. Because that's, 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 that's false. It's not right. You have to have the right belief system. You have to believe the right things. You have to be in your right mind. You have to be delivered from things that you've gained from the world. You know? So, so an example here is when Saul got a word from Samuel. Saul didn't believe the word. So what he did is when Samuel died, he went to the witch of Endor, who gave him the same word as Samuel. Same word, different source. If you don't deal with the things and the strongholds in your life, the source of the words you give may come from the wrong place. You have to deal with the strongholds in your life. You have to repent. You have to cleanse yourself. You have to make sure that there's nothing in you that can affect the word. You see, water and oil don't mix. You have to, uh, people say to me, well, when you prophesy, how come you don't remember? I said, because I'm a watering can. When the water passes through me, I don't remember the water. So we have to understand, you have to be a clear stream. So you have to deal with all these things first. You know, and the biggest one really is the spirit of Antichrist. Because the minute you don't believe in the Holy Spirit, you've got a problem. Okay? You've got a problem. You can't prophesy outside of the Holy Spirit because that's witchcraft. <laughs> I know you guys are loving me tonight, I know that. But I'm just being honest with you. You ask me a question, I'm being honest. So if I can, in this closing session now, I thank you for coming. Listen, you guys have been good. You've spent the time, you've sat here, you've listened. I mean, was this, was this valuable? Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. Okay. I want to pray a prayer of activation over you all. All of you. And not individually, but corporately. That the Holy Spirit would brood upon the water of the deep. And like in Genesis, like there was creation when the Holy Spirit brooded, there will be a creation within you of the power of the Holy Spirit, the leading and guiding and direction by the Holy Spirit. Father, that you would fill them today with, with knowledge, with wisdom, with an understanding and a knowledge of you, Lord, that they would know you, that they would feel you, they would dream, they would understand, they would know things they've never known before, that you would then activate within them the power and the ability to receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. That you would baptize them in the Spirit. You'd baptize them in fire. Like you did Pentecost. You'd fill them to over capacity. 
Father, today that you'd activate every single understanding and knowledge of every concept of the prophetic in them. For these are yours, Lord. You redeem them with your blood. You've cleansed them. You've washed them. You bring them into the right minds, Father. You're filling them with purpose and hope. And I, Father, I pray that you do not let any stone be unturned. That everything will be clear. That they will hear, they will know. They will become a prophetic generation. That they would walk in power and authority and dominion. That your gifts and callings would function in every man and woman and child that is sitting here. Not one of them would be lost in Jesus' name. That they all would come to the knowledge of the truth. So Father, I pray right now that you just loose your Holy Spirit on them. Send your Holy Spirit now to empower them, Lord. Give them understanding of the dominion and the dimension of their authority so they can walk in your authority, Lord. And anoint them. Father, you said that you would not anoint anything that is not consecrated, that is not set apart for your work. They are set apart for you because they hear. So fill them now to capacity in Jesus' name. Amen.